Well, hey, everybody. Remember me? Good to be back with you after being away for what felt like the better part of July. Uh, we were out in Chicago for a family wedding. I got to speak up at Camp of the Woods for a week. Got to speak at a pastor's conference in Singapore, which I'll tell you more about in a minute or two. And I wasn't gone the whole time. I was here in the office, and summertime gives me a chance to visit some of the other campuses. But the end result is and I haven't preached in the pulpit here for five weeks, and that feels like a really long time. In fact, on the last night of vacation, as we were turning in before the first day back at work, I suddenly got afraid. Am I ready to go back to work? Have I lost touch with the congregation? Do I remember how to write a sermon? Well, I can tell you the next morning, after spending just about an hour or so with the Scripture, thinking about what the Lord would have me to say and how I was going to say it, I couldn't wait to preach. So I just want you to know, deep in from my heart, how very much I love being one of the pastors here at Grace Chapel and being part of what God is doing. I mean, I, they, I guess they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know, so maybe I was away and I missed you, but it's just good to be back. I'm so grateful for the scriptures that we get to open together every week and uh, allow God to speak to us. And I'm really excited about the year we have stretching out in front of us beginning uh, in the month of September. So this teaching series, Gaining Ground, is all about that. It's about setting our sights and setting our expectations on what God might want to do in our lives personally and in our, in our church ministry in the year to come. What steps can we take to gain ground spiritually this year as individuals and as a church community. So Dave got us off to a great start last week, reminding us that God made us to multiply for good what he's given us by grace. To multiply for good what he's given us by grace. He took us back to Genesis where we discovered that God put us here with the expectation that we would flourish, that the that the world would become a more abundant place, that we would experience fully his life and this world and his relationship with us. So God wants us to grow deeper and closer and wider in him every single year. We believe that here at Grace. And so we're all about getting ready for that in this coming year. Maybe you had a chance to practice that simple um, praying your footprint idea that Dave spoke about as you walk around your home or your neighborhood or your school or your workplace to pray for God's working there in the year to come. That's a great principle. I do want to point out that Dave really, Pastor Dave, has really laid the groundwork for this series, pun intended. I knew he'd appreciate that, okay? But he really designed the series and he'll be bringing some of the messages along with me as we make our way through this month of August. Well, let me bring you back to Singapore for a minute. I was there to speak at a pastor's conference. About 400 or so pastors from all across Southeast Asia came together for a preaching conference. So I was thrilled to be able to be a part of that. And I was especially impressed by Singapore. The vibrancy, the efficiency of this city-state there in Southeast Asia. I've, I've mentioned before when we travel that no matter where we go in the world, we always encounter Grace Chapel connections and Grace Chapel influence. And it happens that there's a Grace Chapel couple, Daniel and Donna, who've been part of Grace for a long time, and they've been living and working in Singapore for a few years. So we had a chance to visit with them and even worship with them on Sunday. So as we were sitting in church waiting for the service to start, they told us the story of how they came to find this particular church. Turned out on the first Sunday they happened to visit there, 
one of the pastors of that church had, was talking about a trip he had made to the States and about this very exciting church he had visited in the States just outside of Boston called Grace Chapel. <laughs> so they start elbowing each other like, you know, talking about us. And then the pastor puts a picture up on the screen, a photograph of me in the lobby talking to some random person on the Sunday he happens to be there. And so here they are on the other side of the world on some random Sunday in a random church, and the pastor's talking about their church back home. As if that's not enough, the random person I was talking to in the picture was Daniel, <laughs> who I've talked to maybe three times in the lobby in 18 years. So they decided the Lord was trying to tell them something <laughs> and that this was to be their church. And they've been worshiping and serving there wonderfully for three years now. Now, I tell that story not only because it's fun to tell, but because it sets up our theme and our text for today. Because don't we all want moments like that where we get this sense that God has found us right where we are? That he's revealed himself to us, that he's speaking into our lives, that he's revealing his will or his ways to us in some dramatic and maybe even miraculous, surprising way. We all want moments like that. Can we expect them in this year to come? Can we expect God to meet us personally and powerfully in this next school or work or church year? I believe we can. In fact, I believe God is eager to meet us in moments just like that. Now, we can't, we can't orchestrate them, we can't engineer them, but we can prepare for them. We can create space for God to meet us in those ways. And that's what we're going to learn about today. So let's go to a very familiar story in the Bible, familiar thanks not only to Sunday school but to Hollywood, because we're going to be going to the story of Moses and the burning bush, which most folks are familiar with. It's found in Exodus, found in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to just walk through the story, make some observations about it, and then draw some applications for our life as we look forward to the year to come. So let's begin Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now just a little background here. Okay? Moses was born into slavery in Egypt, where his people, the Hebrews, had been in bondage for some 400 years. Now when he was an infant, his mother had saved him from death by setting him afloat in the Nile River, where he was found by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Pharaoh's household. Now, as a young man, Moses had tried to stand up for his people by striking down an Egyptian taskmaster. But he ended up killing that Egyptian, so he had to run for his life. And he ran all the way to the land of Midian, far, far from Egypt, where he found himself a wife and a life far from Egypt. Not just far from Egypt, but far from Canaan, that land to the north. The land that God had promised to his ancestor, Abraham. And so here's Moses. At one point, he had literally been a prince of Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth. As a young man, he had attempted to do something great for God and had failed miserably. And for the past 40 years, he's been a fugitive and an alien. 
He's living in someone else's land, watching someone else's sheep. I can't believe this was Moses' dream job, working for his father-in-law, watching sheep in the wilderness. Remember, too, when the Bible talks about the wilderness, it's always describing a place of spiritual desolation, a place of spiritual struggle, a place that's far away from the temple and the people and the activity of God, a place that's anything but a spiritually rich environment. So that's where Moses finds himself. So in the words of that classic Beatles tune, he's a real nowhere man living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Just a bunch of sheep, that's all. And so at that point, it's worth pausing to recognize that Moses, this nowhere man, isn't he a bit like you and me? Don't we sometimes get lost in the ordinariness of our lives? Don't we sometimes wonder about the meaningless of it all? Feel far from God and from whatever good things are going on in the world? Do the places that you spend your time, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, do, do they feel like spiritually rich environments? Or does it feel more like the wilderness? We can all feel like nowhere men and nowhere women sometimes. Chances are most of us are familiar with what we call the liturgical year or the church year. We have seasons of the church year in which we acknowledge key moments in redemptive history. So we have Advent and Lent and Easter and Pentecost the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Those seasons of the church year, they, they mark extraordinary moments in the life of Christ in redemptive history, and we celebrate them. Do you know what we call the other seasons of the church year when there are no significant events to celebrate? We call it ordinary time. Ordinary time time when there are no significant spiritual events to celebrate or to focus on. And it turns out most of the church year is ordinary time. January and February between Advent, Epiphany, and, and, and Lent and Easter. January, February. And then Pentecost in, in May, typically, and, and then you have June, July, August, September, October, November, all the way to December, ordinary time. We're in the middle of ordinary time right now when there are no predictable spiritual high points to celebrate. But what we're going to discover is that sometimes extraordinary things can happen in ordinary times. That God can make himself known anywhere, anytime, to anyone in any number of ways. We have to be ready for it. So let's see how that works. Pick it up at verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush did not burn up. Now there's some debate among Bible scholars and Bible readers as to what Moses actually saw there. 
Did he see literally a bush on fire that was not consumed? Or did he see a vision of a bush on fire that wasn't consumed? Or did he see a, a, a brightly colored bush that looked like it was on fire but not consumed? There's all kinds of discussion about that. And we don't really know exactly what Moses saw. But whatever he saw, it was unusual. It was striking. It got his attention. It was out of the ordinary. Like I said, Hollywood has tried to capture this moment for us in film, going all the way back to that classic film of the 20th century, The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. It's kind of a low-budget version there with papier-mâché rocks and that sort of thing. Then, of course, there is Disney's classic, The Prince of Egypt, a more animated and somewhat abstract representation of the burning bush. Artists down through the centuries have tried to capture the wonder and the drama and the mystery of this burning bush moment. I kind of like this one from the 17th century. Now again, we don't know exactly what Moses saw that day, but two things we know for certain. One, it was an ordinary object. It was a bush in the woods. How many of those are there? How many bushes had Moses seen in his lifetime? How many had he seen that day? An ordinary, everyday object. But the second thing we know is that today, on this day, there was something striking about it, something unusual, something that captured his attention. So much so that he decided he had to go close and take a, take a closer look. Look again at verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And so we find some intentionality on Moses' part. He's got some curiosity. He, he has a reflective moment. I wonder what's happening here and what it might mean. So I would suggest that gaining ground spiritually begins with attentiveness. Attentiveness. If we'd like God to speak to us, to reveal himself to us, we'd better be watching for it. We'd better be listening, have our eyes and hearts and minds tuned to his presence and activity. Requires a certain amount of intentionality. Now, I can hear what some of you are thinking. Well, yeah, Brian, if a, if a bush suddenly caught fire in my backyard, I'd go take a look too. But that stuff just doesn't happen to me. And I agree, it doesn't happen to me either. This is a, a, a highly unusual, one-of-a-kind moment. But I would suggest that we have moments like this in our lives on a regular basis. Unusual, striking, out-of-the-ordinary moments when God gets our attention for just a moment. It might be something you see in nature, a brilliant sunrise or sunset, when it looks like the sky is on fire. Well, what do you do with that moment? Do we say, oh, nice sunset, and continue on our way? Or do we stop and say, where does this beauty come from? This light, this color, this shadow, this shape. Why is there beauty in the world? And why do we appreciate it? What or who is behind it? That's a moment. It could be a moment of deep connection with another human being, a, a friend maybe, a lover, a parent, a child. 
some moment when you know and are known by another human being so intimately, so honestly, so authentically that it brings you to tears or to laughter or to hugs. What do we do in a moment like that? Do we stop and say, where does this love come from? Why does it feel so good to be close to another person? And why does it feel so awful when it goes wrong? It could be a moment of, of deep fulfillment. But in the midst of your daily work, whatever that work is, you, you have this sense of satisfaction in a job well done. Or the sense of significance of what you are contributing to your company or your organization or your community or the world. Why? Why do we work? Why do we find satisfaction in our work? Why are we sometimes frustrated in our work? Or it could be a moment of conviction, a, a twinge of guilt, a pang of remorse, a, a flash of anger. When we sense that something's wrong, something's wrong inside of us or something's wrong with the world around us. But why is it wrong? And what will it take to put it right again? I would suggest that any of those are burning bush moments for us. Moments when, when God is getting our attention, stopping us in our tracks and asking us just to, to be attentive to His presence. And when we have moments like that, we have the opportunity to come closer, to draw near. And that's exactly what Moses does. Let's pick up the story at verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Now, don't miss something here. The Scripture says, when the Lord saw that he, had, that he had gone over to look. In other words, God was watching. He was waiting to see what Moses would do with this moment. Would he lean into it? Would he move closer? It suggests that there's a certain dynamism to our relationship with God. There's a give and take. He offers us something, a sight, a sound, a feeling, a word. And then he waits to see what we'll do with it. Will we pay attention? Will we come closer? And if we do, then he speaks and shows us some more. And we move into that and he comes back. It's a very dynamic, give and take kind of relationship. There's that verse in the New Testament. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's give and take. It's back and forth. And so when Moses responds by coming closer, the Lord calls to him. Moses, Moses. Now don't miss that. It's not, hey, you with the beard. Moses, Moses. He calls him by name as if he knows him or is about to know him. So Moses responds, here I am. Now, I don't know if they still do this in school anymore, but back in the day, the first day of class, the teacher would always call the roll, right? Read the names of all the students and you were supposed to respond by saying here or present. James, Samantha, Maria, Brian, here, present. It's sort of a way of saying, I'm in the room, I showed up, I'm ready to learn. That's kind of what Moses is doing here. Moses, Moses, here, present. And then God offers a little more. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. 
for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God tells him to take off his sandals because that's what you did in that culture in the presence of greatness. It was a sign of humility, of, of vulnerability, of, of reverence. The place where you are standing is holy ground. This is the first time in the Bible we encounter the word holy. First time. And it means other, different, set apart. This is ground unlike any other ground on planet Earth right now. It's holy. This nowhere land had suddenly become holy ground. This ordinary object, a bush, had come alive with the presence and power of God. And so God reveals himself. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In other words, I am the God you've heard about your whole life, Moses. The God your parents believed in and their parents before them and their parents before them. But I want a relationship with you, Moses. I want to know you by name. And I want to know you, me, I want you to know me by name. And friends, we all have to come to moments like that. When, when we have our moment with God, when we begin our relationship with Him, when He's not just the, the God that our parents believed in or that someone else tells us about, but He's our God. And this is especially important for those of us who grow up in Christian families, who grow up in a church. It's wonderful to hear those stories all our lives, but at a certain moment, He has to become our God. We have to meet Him personally. Karen and I prayed for that very intentionally for each one of our kids as they grew up, that they would have their own moments of encounter with God. And by His grace, they did in all kinds of ways and places and times that we couldn't always control. And I want you to know that that's why we are so intentional about our children's ministries and our student ministries here at Grace. We are wanting to create opportunities for, for our young people, for our children, your children, to have their own encounters with God so that He's not just your God, but their God. And that happens often on retreats and, and, and small group experiences and CCLE mission trips and Kids Week and things like that. We're creating moments because we all need to come to our own relationship with God. And so Moses responds in worship. We're told that he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So he realizes he's in the presence of someone far more powerful than he is. Someone mysterious, someone awesome, someone frightening, but someone he needs to be close to. And he leans into it. He's present to the presence of God. And so gaining ground spiritually involves not just attentiveness, but responsiveness. It's not just noticing what's happening. It's leaning in. It's talking back. It's taking off our shoes. It's bowing down. It's doing whatever it takes to be present to the presence of God in that moment. As we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And so God has even more to reveal to Him. We don't have time to look at it, but just look at these next few verses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned for their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God was preparing to do a new thing for his people, to lead them out of that land of bondage and into a good and spacious land, flowing with milk and honey. Milk means there would be sheep and goats in that land. Honey meant there would be bees in that land, fruits and flowers. It was to be a, a land of abundance, a land of flourishing, a land that was alive with the power and presence of God. And God wanted to bring his people there, but he was going to do it through Moses. And so the whole thing couldn't happen until Moses was attentive and responsive to the presence of God. And friends, this is how God works. He meets us wherever we are. He finds us in our wilderness. He comes to us even in our ordinary moments. But he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to take us to new and better, broader places. Not always easier places, but better places. Places of meaning and joy and beauty and significance and impact. He wants to take you there. He wants to take your family there. He wants to take your life community there. He wants to take your ministry there. He wants to take our church there. But it begins when people like you and I are present to the presence of God, when we attend and respond to Him. So we gain ground spiritually when we are present to the presence of God, when we are attentive and responsive to what he's doing in and around us. Uh, take a look at this painting one more time. There's so much I like about this particular painting. Look at Moses. Look how close he's come to that bush. He can feel the heat of it coming at him. He, he's not only come close, he, he's taken off his shoes to mark the moment. He has set down his staff his tool of the trade. So his hands are open to receive whatever God has for him. Moses is fully present to that moment. And it was an awesome moment. It was a terrifying moment. It was an exhilarating moment. It was an enlightening moment. And our encounters in God can be any or all of those things. But the response is to say, here I am. And I have found that to be a very helpful phrase. When I sense the Spirit of God stirring around me or even in me, to simply say silently or out loud, here I am, Lord. Anything you have to say to me? Is there anything you want me to do, Lord? Is there something you want me to stop doing, Lord? Is there someplace you want me to go? Is there some person you want me to reach out to or to pray for in this moment? Here I am, Lord. Is there anything you would have to say to me? That simple way of being attentive and responsive to the presence of God. And so as we set our sights on gaining ground in the year to come, let's look for holy ground. Let's be attentive and responsive to moments like this. But what does that look like? How do you find holy ground in a wilderness like most of us live and work in? Well, let me make a few suggestions. We find holy ground in places the Lord has met us before. Places the Lord has met us before. 
Are there some places in your life where you have sensed God at work in your life? When you've sensed Him speaking to you? When He's done some work in your life? When you've heard His voice? When you've made some decision for Him? Go back to those kinds of places and invite Him to, to speak to you there again. I think of places like that. One of them is my college campus, where for four formative years of my life, the Lord met me through classes and fellowship and Bible study and devotions and life. And so whenever I'm back in that part of the country, I try to get back to my campus and just walk the grounds for a while and remember how God met me there, to thank Him for meeting me there and to say to Him, Lord, here I am. Is there anything else you have to say or do with me? Maybe there's places like that in your life. There's a place like that for me out at Great Brook Farm in Carlisle. There's this great big circular meadow, and I go out there sometimes to, to run or walk or bike or ski in the wintertime. And I love to find my way after being out in the woods for a while to come to that circular meadow and just walk the perimeter a few times. Here I am, Lord. Anything you have to say to me right now? Anything you're wanting to do in and through Grace Chapel right now? Maybe you've got a place like that, uh, by the beach, in the mountains, by a lake, your vacation home. It could be the place you have devotions on a regular basis, your kitchen table, that seat on the couch in your living room. Places where God meets you and speaks to you. Go to those places. Thank Him for meeting you there and invite Him to speak to you again. So you find holy ground in places he's met you before. You also find holy ground in places that have been set aside for that purpose. I'm thinking, first of all, about, about Christian camps and conferences and retreat centers and places like that. Places like Camp Berea or Camp Brookwoods or Camp of the Woods. These are pieces of ground, real estate, that have been purchased by God's people somewhere along the way and designed and developed for the purpose of people encountering God in beautiful places. And chances are you've had moments like that where you've made decisions for Christ or made a deep connection to God or to His people on one of those retreats or one of those camps. Make it a point this year to get to some of those places. Next year, next week rather, about 300 of us are going to head up to Camp of the Woods. We go every year because it's sacred ground there. God meets us, and there's still room if you'd like to join us there next week. So I'm thinking of retreats and conference centers and campgrounds, but I'm also thinking of, of places like this, places you're sitting right now that have been set aside for the worship of God's people. We don't always call them sanctuaries, but whatever worship venue you happen to be in right now, whether it's one of the campuses or venues of grace or someplace else, this place has been set aside for worship. People gave money to provide this space. People have designed this space to be beautiful and to be welcoming. They've put up artwork. They've set up music. They've arranged sound and light so that we can participate and experience God here. These places have been set aside for worship. And I'm sure many of us had moments when we've sensed God meet us and speak to us in places where you're sitting right now. So make it a point this year, as you make your way through the year, to make a, week, a weekly pilgrimage to that particular place you're sitting right now. Unless it's the beach. Don't go there every week, all right? Find your way to your sanctuary. I want you to know that we're going to be very intentional this year 
as we design our worship services, to allow them to be moments in which we are attentive and responsive to the presence and the power of God when we worship. And I'm looking forward to it. But you have to make a point to be here, to be there. And as you walk in and take your seat to say, here I am, Lord, anything you have to say to me this week. And so we find holy ground in places he's met us before. We find holy ground in places set aside for his purpose. But the truth is we can find holy ground any place that we are present to his presence. God can and will meet you on the job, in the neighborhood, in the kitchen, on the soccer field, whether you're playing or watching, on vacation, on a plane or a train, in an automobile, at a park. You never know when he might show up and make himself known to you. In the words of the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit rounded and pluck blackberry. What kind of people will we be this year? Will we be people who see? Will we be people who take off our shoes? People who draw near. People who say, here I am, Lord. Anything you have to say to me. I believe God wants to take you and us to good and spacious places this year. But it begins when we are attentive and responsive when we are present to his presence. And as it turns out, we have a wonderful opportunity to do that right here today in this moment as we have come together to the Lord's table this morning. Now, there are a variety of ways to understand the communion, the Lord's table, the Eucharist. But one of the common themes in all Christian traditions around the communion table is the presence of Christ. You can call it the real presence, the mystical presence, the, the symbolic presence, but the idea is that in the communion table, with the bread and the cup, God comes near. He's as near and real to us as these objects that we, that we hold in our hands, that we see with our eyes, that we taste with our mouths. These ordinary objects, bread and cup, become alive with the presence and power of God. That's the idea of communion. It declares this to be holy ground. And so as we enter into communion on all of our campuses in just a moment, I'm going to suggest that we do something to mark this moment. I'm going to invite you, if you feel like it would be meaningful, to take off your shoes, to mark this as holy ground. Now, I know that's an unusual thing to do in a church service in any public place, but you do it to get on an airplane, right? <laughs> Why not do it to enter the presence of God? If it's not meaningful for you, for you, don't feel any pressure or obligation about it, but it might be helpful for you as a way of marking this moment, a, a symbolic expression of vulnerability and, and reverence and, and humility before God, a way of consecrating the ground you're standing on right now, the ground beneath your feet, not just for today, but for all the days we will gather in these spaces in the year to come. Let's consecrate them to the Lord, offer them to Him as holy ground, and invite us Him to meet us here. So why don't you join me as, well, as I pray, and then we'll go off and celebrate
communion at our different venues. Let's pray together. Here we are, Lord. Is there anything you have to say to us? Is there anything you would have us to do this week or to stop doing? Is there some place you want us to go? Is there someone you want us to reach out to this week or to pray for in this moment? If you have anything to say or do in us, Lord, we invite you to do it in this moment and in this place, not just today, but every time we gather here in the year to come. And so we offer ourselves this time and this place to you. In Jesus' name, amen.